I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing sucks. Five, four, three. Watching my night. Dancing right in front of my eyes. Hello, the story. Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Fertelny. Joining me this evening, Pablo Mauer, Thomas Floyd. What's up, gentlemen? Nothing much. How you doing? Super. Thomas, how are you this evening? Okay. All right. Uh, Breaking news into the Open Wide for some soccer news desk. Nigel DeYoung has been suspended (laughs) 10 games by MLS... Uh, oh, uh, it's phasers to pun. You know what? Phasers to pun. Pretending to be Steve Goff. <laughs> what what Seth won't admit is that we literally just got to sit here and watch him get got in real time. <laughs> he looked up from his co- computer, said, "Oh my God, Nigel DeYoung, look at Goff's Twitter." Look at Goff's Twitter. Nigel DeYoung suspended for ten games, and then within five seconds. Uh, just immediately went into oh god. Yeah, I was I was in stage one of getting got, which is seeing it on Twitter <laughs> and reacting. But at least I didn't enter stage two, which is actually retweeting it. That's the extra embarrassment. Yeah, uh, I got got by him once on the uh, some other thing he did. What? What? There's been three things now, right? He broke oh, some been, story pretending three. to be Strauss and or Grant. I think it was a Strauss one. I think it was a Strauss one. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's, there's been a lot. I, I have to say, the uh, the ones where he pretends to be <laughs> he a... Just got, he just got, got... I just got God again because it says... I tweeted, God damn it, at Phasers to Pun, and it says, Stephen Goff liked your tweet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Goff like that? <laughs> Uh, I have to say, Phasers to Pun, uh, for those of you who don't know, has become basically the number one American soccer Twitter troll where he <laughs> impersonates different journalists and breaks stories and tries to fool people. And they're sometimes funny, sometimes not. But the one which was undoubtedly his best work was when the U.S. lost to Guatemala about five minutes after he changed his profile to Jurgen Klinsmann and tweeted something like... Pretty proud of the team's effort tonight. Really happy with the performance. <laughs> uh, so good. And I'm I'm not doing it justice, but he did a perfect Jurgen impression. Like uh, the tone and the way he talked, it it just was excellent. So uh, we'll talk about Nigel Dion later in the show, right? We'll we'll get there, but but we should probably start off with some DC United. We will get there. It's been it's been a couple weeks. Um, I guess we were just waiting until they won a game for to do a podcast. Right. I mean, Obviously. that that could have been next year. <laughs> I was looking forward to several months of vacation. You know. Yeah, I, I have to say the the year 2013 uh, <laughs> has been mentioned at various points during their uh, five game winless start, but finally they never had a four nothing win in 2013. Yes. I think we can there and they're a third of the way to They scored their, a combined total of four goals in twenty thirteen. They're they're a third of the way to their twenty thirteen win total, so hopefully they'll be able to surpass that. I think they will. Going out on a limb, <laughs> put it in the bank, DC United will surpass their twenty thirteen win total this season. Yeah. Guaranteed. Uh so DC United probably better than they were in two thousand thirteen. Still, uh a four nothing win against Vancouver at home was Certainly unexpected. Um, you know, they got a couple goals, or they got one goal in the first half, and then they got one uh, halfway through the second half and then got two late. Uh, but certainly they not only won 4-0, but they also controlled most of the game. I mean, the scoreline accurately reflected the balance of this game. Um, so were we surprised with the performance? Real quick, I, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. Uh, we are taking your calls, as always, on the open wide for some soccer hotline, 708-LT-O-W-F-S-S. Not sure what that translates to in numbers, but just work it out, <laughs> you know. Uh, qu- questions, comments, concerns, complaints, medical advice, whatever. Yeah. 
Colin. Anyways, DC United. So are you guys surprised? I was surprised it was as definitive as it was. I thought Vancouver might struggle with Matias Laba suspended and Pedro com- Morales. Completely yeah. different game with those two players in yes, there. Yes, they are big difference makers, particularly in the middle of the park where D.C. was able to control the game in a way we haven't seen yet this season, aside from maybe the early stages of that Galaxy game. And it, it, it was a big difference. That said, D.C. just looked a bit sharper. I'm not sure what the difference was. There was no major tactical shift in this team, it was pretty much the same lineup, uh, same philosophy they've been using over the past few weeks. And there was just uh, a change, and everything real, really clicked. Deleon played much much better than he had the last couple weeks. He looked a bit more like the player we saw in week one against the Galaxy that was more promising. And then uh, Steve Birnbaum, I think, makes a huge difference in central defense. Not having him for that game against FC Dallas was a major blow and I think is maybe an under the radar aspect of how things went horribly wrong. Uh, Maybe it's not a good thing that they are that reliant on one player, but as long as he's in the lineup, you have a a good feeling about their back line. Right. Which is interesting because just at the end of last season, Birnbaum was getting benched for Kofi Apare. So I think, you know, even back then we all knew that Birnbaum was a more talented player, but it does seem like he's really made some big steps recently, and I, I think certainly his growing prominence with the national team has to be helping him a lot, has to be helping his confidence. Uh, you know, last season, if you would have told us that he was going to be starting a vital World Cup qualifier for the U.S. national team at the beginning of 2016, it would be hard to imagine. Basically a must-win or at least a must-get-a-result qualifier. So uh, I I do get the sense that he walks away from those camps and those call-ups with more confidence, and that's what Ben Olsen has been saying, that he was very impressed with Birnbaum's reaction from the January camp, that some players, they come back from the national team, and there's a drop-off. There's sort of a letdown, and you can see it in their play. And with Birnbaum, he goes in the other direction. He uses the camp to elevate his level, Get, get a chance to play alongside the top players in this country and really raise his game and have that translate to the club level. And again, against Vancouver, we saw him contribute not only defensively, but offensively, uh, you know, like we saw with the national team in, in January camp. You know, in the first half, he had a header that was saved by David Osted, could have been a goal. And then in the second half, his header off a corner kick hits the crossbar, the spindle puts in the rebound, makes it 2-0. Um, there, there are not a lot of center backs in this league that are as effective in the air as Steve Birnbaum. And I think that the more that DC United can find his head from corner kicks and from free kicks, uh, the more chances they're going to be able to create. And, you know, we're going to start to see Birnbaum at some point start to put together a couple goals here and there. Yeah, I believe he still only has one career MLS goal. I think that's right, and that's why I was a little surprised with how dominant he's been on attacking set pieces this year. Not because he didn't have the capability, but because we just hadn't seen it executed in games. And I wonder if DC United made that a point during preseason to draw up set plays that were designed for him a bit more, because it really does seem like they are finding his head more than they did during his first two seasons in MLS. Yeah, I want to talk about... One of their uh, DC United's new additions this year, who has proven to be really effective and has turned into one of the team's better attacking threats, and that's Patrick Niarco, who they acquired from Chicago for a second-round draft pick uh, in this offseason. Uh, which, you know, you look at Niarco out there, and it's hard to imagine that Chicago couldn't find more minutes for him, especially because they have been so bad the last few years. Uh, and it sort of reminds you of two years ago when United acquired Chris Rolfe from Chicago, also from a very bad Chicago team, and he came right to D.C. and became one of their better attacking players. But I think Niarco has been excellent, and you actually saw that chemistry on United's first goal that Niarco and Rolfe have been able to bring over from their time in Chicago. You know, Niarco knew Rolfe was going to be there 
Plays him a great ball. Rolf has a good shot. It's saved. Spindler puts in the rebound. Yeah. Uh, New Yorker probably didn't see the field because they were too busy finding spots for their three no-name designated players. But <laughs> he, he um, did have some injury troubles to throw I mean, Frank Yallop a bone. But I, yes, think, I think he's a guy who, well. who, even in limited action with Chicago, it was pretty clear that he had sort of like the raw ability, um, speed, you know, excellent footwork. And it's just... I mean, it would be tough to judge uh, judge him on his performance in Chicago because they were so terrible. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. – I think D.C. saw it as a low-risk, high-reward situation. They were right. And, you know, we all know Ben and 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 Casper are excellent at these types of signings. I mean, uh, Patrick Niarco is, like, prototypical D.C. United signing. Completely. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's, like, six years too young. But other than that, you know. <laughs> Marcelo Sarvas, yeah, DC yeah. United's real prototypical uh, signing. Ben Olsen, the Wizard, uh, signs Marcelo Sarvas and turns him into a Marcelo Sarvas Davy Arnault hybrid, <laughs> just an animal on the field, you know. Niarco has been impressive in his ability to to win fouls, to find the final pass, as we saw on Saturday, to run at guys. Uh, he really has been a complete player for them over on the flank. He even made a, a big defensive play against San Jose the previous week. It, it's been impressive. I thought early on, uh, during preseason and after the first Champions League game or two, that maybe he had lost a step, but that definitely has not been the case. He really has turned it on over the last month now and really emerged as their most consistently effective attacking player, I think it's safe to say, early in this season. Yeah, a player that we have bagged on a little bit on this show, so I think we got to give him a, 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 it's a, a long. Bit. It's a long list. I know, I know. One of the many, but we, 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 I think we have to give a little bit of props to uh, one, Travis Warat in, in goal. Um, you know, last time we talked about him, we were sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop for him. Um, some sort of horrible... Collapse. Well, I mean, I, I think he's getting kind of a an ideal run out because he had two games where he really was, you know, one where he wasn't tested at all, another where he was, you know, under some duress but not a ton, and you know, he's just sort of worked into the role. You know, I and, mean, I think yeah, and it, again against Vancouver, he wasn't tested a ton, but he had one save. Yeah, you know, but you know, yeah, yeah but I, I think that as a sort of a bridge to whenever, you know, either Tally Hall gets healthy, Bill Mead gets healthy. Uh, it, it could be a lot worse. And I think that he's certainly doing himself no harm in terms of maybe keeping that third spot on the, on the roster at goalkeeper. I mean, I know they just signed Charlie Horton. Um, they're probably not going to keep four. Right now they have five. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dykstra seems pretty much doomed at this point. Uh, um, I asked uh, Benny about this. I basically said, well, you have five goalkeepers on the roster. Ha has any thought been given to the tough decisions that presumably loom when Hamid and Hall and Dykstra are all at 100%? And he kind of went around the question and was like, well, I can tell you Bill Hamid will be our starter in goal when he's back. Breaking. I was like, I was like okay, right. that wasn't really what I was getting at. Hear, hear me out. Bill Hamid as sweeper keeper, oh. you plug Wara in at center back and he just covers in the meantime when Hamid comes out right. on a on a mad dash. I mean, I could probably fit another goaltender onto the field if you want. You know, <laughs> Just saying. Give it some call me, Ben. Okay. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, it's that, it, it does look like a tough situation for Dykstra in particular. I, I could see them perhaps keeping four goalkeepers. Maybe you loan a guy to Richmond long-term, someone like Wara or Horton, who's young and could use the experience. But the uh, yeah, the five-keeper situation is uh, someone's going to get squeezed out this season. It does seem like having both Wara and Horton might not be realistic just because Generally, you want to keep that third-string goalkeeper as a young player, developmental, who you can loan back and forth between D.C. and Richmond. But to have two of them, you know, it seems like kind of a stretch. Uh, you know, somebody something we had to talk about is uh, Luciano Acosta starts or does not start again, comes off the bench and very promptly makes two passes that possibly nobody else on that team could make. 
you know, um, clearly playing with a, an adorable tiny cornflake-sized chip on his shoulder. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, am I the only – I can't be the only one, obviously, who's sort of scratching my head at this point with Olsen. Well, it's hard to – complain about the lineup choices in a game where they won for nothing but then he so comes off he they comes off the, the bench goals with him on the field yeah, for 10 minutes exactly I mean, you know yeah it, it, it's a tough situation for benny because my assumption is that he's going to stick with the 11 who started and got the result but then you see particularly what acosta did i think saborio coming off the bench and scoring those goals that were served up on a platter gives you faith in him as a the first guy off the bench and maybe earns him more minutes but you feel good about he's a an, speed ide- he's an, ide- an ideal late game sub. You know, yeah. lump balls into the box, clean up garbage. But, and, but the, Acosta, you've just got to get in there. I don't know if you shift Rolf back to wide midfield and get Take Acosta in up top. Yeah, Nagel, I feel like, is the guy who's most in danger of being, again, squeezed out as DC perhaps looks to change things to get Acosta more minutes because the way he played in that cameo on Saturday, they can't. They can't leave him out. They, he does things that no one else does. I mean, and selfishly, the three of us obviously cover every game and watch games, and just every time he gets the ball at his feet, you sort of, like, perk up and look for something special. DC hasn't had a player like that in a long time. You know, yeah, like, you, just, you just wonder about Ben Olsen because obviously his track record of giving opportunities to young talent is not a strong one. Or designated players. Or, or designated mean. players. <laughs> Um, you know, we all sort of started to roll our eyes when we saw that Okasa was getting benched so early in the season. Um, you know, a pessimist would say that Ben already gave up on him. Uh, an optimist would say Ben's just trying to give him some opportunities to get his feet under him. Uh, at the same time, though, this is a different sort of player because DC United has an option to buy him after this year for $2 million. Uh, so if he really isn't given opportunities to start on a consistent basis and really show what he does what he can do and really perform then there's no way that united's going to keep him around and and it would be really disappointing if he doesn't get more of a chance and and united isn't able to keep him around after this season for what it's worth my understanding of acosta's arrangement is that the flat fee is set at $2 million, but if DC actually wanted to bring him back, it would be more of a negotiation for a more reasonable transfer fee. So the, that number is slightly misleading, but it would be pricey for them to acquire him full-time. So it will be a big decision for them to make. And obviously they'll want to get a, a good, healthy look at him this season before making uh, that kind of decision, which is we're starting to look at with a, a young, expensive player like him, the type of decision that's going to affect the team all the way going into the new stadium, and that's uh, that's obviously going to be a big deal for D.C. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly one of the most exciting players that we've seen come through in the last few years, whether it translates to goals and assists like we saw on Saturday remains to be seen, but I, I think we all agree that he needs to be given an extended run. Agreed. Yeah. I said we all agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Thomas, you agree? Uh, I guess. Okay, great. Uh, Pablo. Fine. <laughs> that's who we really need to get to agree. Yeah. Um, Pablo. You oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Pablo, you want to get into the, the, the fan protest situation before we get into some general MLS stuff? I know you've been. I mean, do you guys want to get into it? I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, fine. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Oh, wow. Impressive. Yeah. Let's see who this is. All right, 434, you're on open wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a soft spot for the CCL, and I know a lot of the MLS teams have a lot of trouble coming into the tournament, uh, into the, the quad or quarterfinals, and, and not having a lot of experience under their belts. But we have Bradenton, we have preseason tournaments, we had a majority of our starting lineup on the team at that point. Has anyone ever given any thought to putting together a strong uh, starting team for the preseason tournaments to establish some cohesion and maybe actually put, if not a full strength, at least a stronger team 
against these Mexican sides in the CCL. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw that for Montreal uh, last year, and it got them to within a stone's throw of winning the whole tournament. Yeah, yeah they, they certainly took it seriously. I mean, yeah, Montreal took it seriously, but it's such a crapshoot because the team from MLS, I feel like, had the best chance of winning CCL was the LA Galaxy in, I want to say, 2012, uh, maybe 2013. Or They were fresh off an MLS Cup win, brought back the entire team, including Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, David Beckham, and crashed out in the quarterfinals anyway. Uh, something about CCL and it being so early, even if you – train in warm weather, get a bunch of friendlies under your belt, have a ton of continuity and big-name players, it might not make a difference because that tournament's just so random. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, to, to add to that a little bit, obviously they talk, they've talked in the past about changing the schedule, um, which will probably happen in the next year or two, but then you're faced with a completely different set of problems, which is, you know, you play the group stage when you want to, obviously, early in the season, but... Uh, the knockout games are really during the run-up to the playoffs and the playoffs themselves. So then how do you yeah. well, manage that, you know? I guess the knockout games would be the quarterfinals would be in August, the semifinals in September, and then the final would be in October. I think that is just enough removed from the playoffs in November that teams can focus on CCL and not quite too entirely worry about missing the postseason because they're concentrating on champions league and the other thing is not everyone makes it to the knockout rounds yeah if you know no more than two mls teams max will be in the final in october so it would really be affecting a very limited number of teams we appreciate the call man i appreciate it guys thank you yep did not anticipate talking about ccl today. <laughs> hey here's a trivia question yeah who is in the CCL final? Oh, God. It was uh, America and Tigres? I actually don't know if that's right. Uh, I, Cruz, I, I, Cruz Azul? I think America – I know America's in it, and I, I'm pretty sure Tigres is. I'm pretty sure I got that. I, I want the record to show that I don't care, but I happen to be working a shift when the semifinals <laughs> happened. You also just know – you know John Arnold, you know. <laughs> yeah, I did see I Googled, there was... This is, this is the importance of the CCL. I Googled CCL and I get Celebrity Cricket League. <laughs> 15 licks for what? it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not kidding. Not kidding. Wait, so, are there any... I'm intrigued by this Wait, Celebrity who, Cricket League. Who's in the Celebrity Cricket League? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The the team names are Telugu Warriors versus Karnataka Bulldozers. I heard the Bulldozers are good this season. Yeah, I think they got Alan Gordon, picked him up on waivers. Well, what I'm more interested in is which celebrities are playing in the Celebrity Cricket League. Like Kato Kalin or something like that. (laughs) I mean, yeah, are we talking B-list, C-list, R-list? It's going to be like Bollywood stars. Uh, The fan protest. Um, We could talk about it briefly, obviously. But, you know, I'm curious just to get your guys' opinion on it. Uh, The background, very quickly, for those of you who don't know, which is probably not you, um, there was a sort of a march into the stadium of all of DC's supporters before the game against Dallas. And in that underpass between lot eight and the stadium proper, um, a district ultra supporter lit off a smoke bomb, you know, there was singing and dancing smoke bomb was lit. Uh, the team, I guess, according to them, videotaped it, identified the supporter and promptly banned him from RFK stadium for a year. The league followed suit, banned him from all venues in the league for a year. Um, and what followed was a, kind of like a league-wide, you know, six, there were six, seven different protests on Saturday and Sunday in the form of banners, smoke, whatever. And then the district ultras themselves uh, sat the game out in <clears throat> the first half, left their section empty, and uh, hung their banner upside down, a couple of other little things, you know. So I'm curious to, to gather you guys' thoughts on, on the actual punishment and, you know, whether it seems like uh, to, to me, it just seems incredibly excessive. It's, uh, I mean, on the surface, it does seem excessive, and I think it perhaps speaks a little more to what a lot of people mentioned in the story. You know, maybe not speaking to this as a, a direct tie, but a lot of fans that you interviewed, and I guess Charlie interviewed for those pieces. 
talked about the disconnect between the organization and the supporters groups. And I have gotten that sense from talking to supporters over the past few years. And uh, for the good of the organization, it would be encouraging to see those bonds perhaps reinforce going into the new stadium because right now, you know, I, I know when I went to DC United games as a kid growing up in this area, seeing the supporters groups was half the fun. It, they offered the entire atmosphere and they were really what made it a unique event. And that to a degree has faded particularly over the last five years, I want to say. And that, that in general, without getting too much into this specific incident is dis discouraging. There, there does seem to be a disconnect now between the club and the fans in a way that there wasn't maybe five or 10 years ago. Um, you know, there was a, a letter that a district ultras member wrote on Facebook. Pablo, I think you linked to it on Twitter. Uh, very eloquent talking about how uh, Will Chang, the, the former owner of DC United would often walk through the parking lot and interact with some of the fans. And it really reinforced those bonds between the team and the fans. And, you know, I wonder if any of the team's fans could pick out Eric Tohir or Jason Levine out of a lineup now. Uh, you know, there's just a little bit of that disconnect now, and I, I wonder how much that's going to be furthered now that there's news that Jason Levine is uh, purchasing part of uh, Swansea City. You've already got Eric Tohir, uh, who is an owner of Inter Milan, and it just seems like... You know, top to bottom, all through the front office, there's been a lot of turnover the, over the last few years. And I, I just think that, you know, the, the, there's no dialogue the way that there used to be. And I think that partially because of that, you, you end up with a situation like this. I mean, I think it's a situation where the two people you just mentioned, for example, to me, you know, I, I don't have any – my gut tells me that it's a situation where – the team was bought to flip, you know, in four or five years when the stadium is open. And honestly, I don't think the supporters, just to put it bluntly, are the kind of consumers that they're interested in. I mean, I think when you have that 20,000-seat 20, facility, you know, ticket prices go up. You can fill that place with, you know, full-price, full-paying customers. I think, you know, it's just – it's it's incredibly disappointing, i got to say. You uh, know? Um, another aspect of – the disconnect we're talking about that stuck with me was the announcement fairly recently that the supporters groups in the new stadium would be in an end zone as opposed to at midfield where they are now at RFK and where at well, least I mean, you know why members, that is. It's because yeah. those tickets cost more money. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I think that's just part of the, there's been sort of a cascading effect of news and new renderings of the stadium where it's sort of looking more and more just like a, cookie cutter MLS soccer specific stadium you know you you hear about now all the issues they have with you know easements and you know the limitations of a stadium and it's just sort of uh I don't know there's just like a pall sort of around you know DC United in general and this 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 is kind of only added to it I mean, it's just my opinion you know but I don't know you know it, it's insane to me that a team that there's so much negativity around would think to do this, honestly, you know, I mean, I, to me, you know, if they suspend the supporter for two, three weeks, I don't even write a story. There's no story. I mean, it's uh, that's just a, uh, seems uh, adequate, but you know, if you're sort of going to get dr draconian with it, you know, I mean, yeah. And just antagonizing the people who you least want to antagonize, yeah, I um, mean, you know, the people that were there every game in 2013 when they won three games, you know, the people that, trek out to RFK and experience, you know, the various quirks of that stadium that, you know, maybe more casual soccer fans would rather do without, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, yeah, we can, we can move on. Just thought we'd dive into that for a minute. Let's, let's talk, let's talk some general MLS stuff. We need to get into straight away into the <laughs> unfortunate. Into Nigel DeYoung's yellow card. The, uh, the assassination. <laughs> Yeah, the assassination uh, of Darlington Nagby by the coward Nigel Dion. <laughs> really, <laughs> there you go. Really tough to watch, right? I mean, I, I think we were talking about this before the show. Um, watching that challenge in re real time, seeing the replay, I felt a little sick and a little disgusted. 
I, and, I, I and was pretty just, pissed off, honestly. Yeah, I was just like, I don't even want to watch this game anymore. Yeah. That was kind of the way I felt about it. At least you got that 10-game ban. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to make a comparison here when we start to discuss what the potential punishment will be. Mm-hmm. When Luis Suarez bit a person, he got a pretty small punishment. When he bit a person the second time, <laughs> the suspension was a little bigger. When he bit a person the third time, he got suspended for, it was like four months and banned from national team games for what ended up being like a year and a half. With Nigel De Jong, you know, he breaks Stuart Holden's leg. He breaks uh, Ben Arfa's some sort of yes. bone Fatality. in his body. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's he uh, karate kicks Javi Alonso in the chest. <laughs> he, I think that's what he said before he did that. He takes out uh, Joshua Kimmich Fatality. In, a, in a match in August. He takes out someone else in the Milan Derby in October. <laughs> Sorry. I, so for the record, I don't think any of those resulted in fatalities, but... You know, the results weren't pretty. Also, Stuart Holden. I mean, it's yeah. been proven that he has a, an unquenchable thirst for yeah. young American midfielders. <laughs> you know, just told. please keep him away from Christian Pulisic. Oh like, my God! They, 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 they have to stay. They have to. <laughs> Nigel Young and Christian Pulisic have to stay with it. They have to stay at least one thousand miles apart. <laughs> yeah. Restraining time. order time. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, we should we should file a restraining order on behalf of Christian Pulisic. I'll go to court for that. Yeah, let's. You know. let's Let's do it on behalf of Open Wide for some soccer. Let's get our team of yeah. lawyers together, and we need to do this. Here's, here's, here's what I want to talk about, and it's something you see on uh, – there's obviously a lot of outrage over this, and, you know, there should be outrage over this. The, it's barbaric, right? But at the same time, there's a lot of how could the L.A. Galaxy have signed Nigel de Jong? How does the league sign players like this? And it's just ridiculous to me. I mean, the Galaxy needed a D-mid. He was on the market. He's He is a very good soccer player. You can say whatever you want about his playing style. And and here's here's my sort of main point that I made to you earlier. If you're just an MLS midfielder, if you're, I don't know, Lamar Nagel, somebody like that, and you're going in for a 50-50 ball against Nigel Dion right now, you are not going in for that ball. And that's why he's an effective player. I mean, these sort of intermittent acts of brutality – you know, throughout his career have made him a pretty intimidating opponent, you know? Now, these players exist everywhere in the world. In every league in the world, these players exist. MLS does not really need to be the exception to that, you know? Now, does what you say that he has almost yielded a benefit from this in terms of reputation and guys not wanting to challenge him for for balls, does that factor into a potential suspension? Do you really need to levy a major, major ban on this guy to discourage what you're talking about? It's not going to discourage him. You know what I mean? It's I just... mean, if he's suspended for 35 games. I... <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about, a lifetime ban yeah. from soccer? You know, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I think my, my guess is that he's going to get two games. Uh, I'll say I would not be surprised if he got three games. I think you know, it's he's not going to get more. I than think three it's going to be three max. I, I, he's he's you know he's a high profile player in the league. There's no way they suspend him for more than three games. I think it should be two or three on the surface. Just look at this challenge. But then when you consider the list of can we phase him back in yeah. with like some sort of body restraint? <laughs> right. Like he can yeah. only move his legs so fast. Or no. like no. When when you factor in all of the other violations if you will he's he's had over the past few years or past five six years now do you do you factor that into his potential suspension i mean should a player benefit from just hopping from league to league and having a clean slate everywhere I don't think he goes you take, I, yeah i mean i don't think you really can take into account his behavior in other leagues well i think when and you're you... not talking about biting a person uh, I'm sorry to, to yeah, draw when you bite there, but... someone, you you get to stay in the game. <laughs> I, I think if you look at precedent with with Suarez, he had never bit anybody with Uruguay, and yet he got suspended way longer for Uruguay than he did for Barcelona. Right. By the way, the LA Galaxy commenting on this thread saying it's called football. 
Uh, Open wide for some football. Let's talk briefly about the LA Galaxy's Twitter feud with uh, with the Portland Timbers slash Merritt Paulson. I feel like it was more the Portland Timbers Twitter feud with Yeah, I would have loved Galaxy. to be in the room when Merritt Paulson logs out of his personal account, just says, fuck it, I'm, I'm doing it live, logs into the Portland account, oh. I'd like just to, unleashes, you know. <laughs> I'd like to imagine he's at the game ripping the phone out of the PR person's hands. Right, and just like, like amid- some, some intern died last <laughs> night, you know. Amid, amid protestations, but nobody's going to stop him. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, Merit, no, no, no Merit, please. Yeah. You know what, just do it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but who's going to really stand up to him? Yeah. Um, I think I think the Timbers kind of brought that one on themselves. But, you know, I don't know. I, I'm calling it two-game suspension. That's what I'm, you know. Yeah, it... I think it's probably appropriate. Two, three games. I don't think it's a tackle that gets like a, you know. It, it had to be Nagby, though, didn't it? It, oh just, it just had to be. Nagby league leader and fouls over the past few seasons and never complains about it. It just pops back up unless you shatter his ankle. Yeah. And Although uh, apparently he's, he's he might be okay. Yeah. You know. that, I mean, just for his sake, hopefully that's the case. Apparently yeah. he was pictured at the airport walking along looking comfortable and not wearing a walking boot. Playing Dance Dance Revolution, <laughs> doing all kinds of other things, you know. Yeah. I mean, just to wrap it up, Pablo, I mean, I think that what you say is correct. I don't think that the Galaxy should have some sort of moral obligation to not sign a player who occasionally injures people if he's going to help their I team mean, I had, on the field. I had two or three Galaxy season ticket holders tweeting at me today, you know, I it's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Tweeting at you saying, like, we should have never signed Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And him and also um, uh, Van Damme, you know. For being an alleged racist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the the, the Galaxy, if if Dion's going to help them on the field, if he's available and he wants to sign, then they don't have any sort of moral obligation to not sign him. He's been pretty good for them so far. Yes, yes. He he was good last night, you know. But uh, at the same time, you know, when he does things like that he has to be appropriately punished and i I don't think that based on his track record like you say thomas uh and and based on who he fouled that that two games or three games is the right punishment and i think about it i guess it's apples and oranges but you get six games for shoving a ref i mean again apples and oranges but this seems worse to me if you're just comparing them, and I, it's I, tough to make that comparison. Yeah. Any any time you make contact with a ref, I feel like that's an automatic. Sort what of, if you know. what if Dion karate kicked a ref in the chest? <laughs> I mean, Parmy wants to see him back on the field soon now to see if that happens. What if what if, what if Dion like tackled Nagby and then like got inside of his body after killing him and then made contact with the ref? <laughs> Like, which one do you get more? You, you lost me. <laughs> do you get more games for killing and then inhabiting the skin of an opponent or making contact with an MLS referee? I think now's the time where you use the fatality button. Oh, it's not even, it's not even accessible. Fatality. <laughs> uh, so, so I think we should, we should move on slightly from this to the whole red card discussion because it, it was pretty interesting that this all came on the heels of a week where Peter Walton, who's in charge of the nope. who's in charge of, of Pro, the professional referee uh, organization, felt the need to have a, a kind of an emergency conference call with yeah. uh, with reporters because there have been so many red cards early on in the season. It was 16 entering this weekend. Were, were there any more? Are we still on 16? Uh, I think we're still on 16. Okay. Um, Should have been 17. Uh, Alan Chapman decided that was a yellow card for almost breaking Darlington Abbey in half. Um, yeah, I don't get that, you know, because it's obviously that he he had a good angle on it and he saw it, you know? I wonder if that's a reputation thing. You see it's, uh, well, reputation thing on the other side of it, which is big name international I, player. I think that probably has something to do with it. You yeah, know. you don't want to toss one of the marquee names out of a game. I mean, I, here's my question. Why is Chapman going to get disciplined? 
So that yeah, was, they give out like the assignments four games in advance. Yeah, that, right? was, that so, was one of the things that came up in the call. So you really don't know. It's in the CBA that the refs agreed to. They have to give them four weeks' notice before assignment. So it's Jesus. at least a month before you see any tangible punishment quality, for a referee who quality calls. Quality union contract there. <laughs> I, do, I do also wonder with DeYoung, speaking of reputation, if moving forward now this season – when he goes in for another hard challenge and a player that he tackles goes down injured, will refs be more quick to hand out a red card? I, you'd it imagine so. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's a memo being circulated I, right now about I, Nigel Dion. I mean, I think there's going to be a little bit of a backlash the other way uh, with a referee thinking, I don't want to be the next Alan Chapman, basically. <laughs> and Alan Chapman, I feel like consensus best – Referee in MLS right now, before this game. Yeah, definitely one of the more reliable. I thought he was having a really good game before that. Yeah. Can we can we take a quick break to play? We haven't got a chance to do this. Uh, Six degrees of Rochester Rhinos with Thomas Floyd. So random. Yeah. It just dawned on me. You don't want to play it. I I mean, you brought it up. Now we have to play it. So I also want to play it. All right. I mean, I'll never be able to to play it, but. it's also, so Thomas Floyd is is a savant, basically, about the Rochester – well, about soccer in general. But uh, he's also – you know, his girlfriend's a Rochester Rhinos super fan. Do you have some attachment to them? Uh, I mean, you've watched a lot of yeah, games. Yeah, I watch a lot of Rhinos games. Yeah. Um, so uh, you guys are obviously familiar with Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, probably, where you connect an actor to Kevin Bacon in six steps, you know, through other films, actors, whatever um, – I want to try playing Six Degrees of Rochester Rhinos with soccer players with Thomas. Okay. Because we, we've tried this before, and Thomas was very successful. Okay, so, we'll okay, so I'm going to go with a couple of easy ones first, all right? Also, I'm going to put this out there. I have a couple of players in the Rhinos who had a cup of tea in MLS, and I'm just going to lean on them. Okay. Alexi Lawless. Ooh. Gosh. Alexi Lawless played with Brian McBride, who played with Tim Howard, who played with Ricardo Clark, who played with Alex Dixon, who was on the Rochester Rhinos. Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Uh, Keep in mind, we have no idea if these are correct, but we're just going to assume that they are. Well, I mean, the, what do you say that confidently, you know? Yeah. I'm sure right, it's uh, right. Uh, you got one? I don't know. Just throw one out there. Uh... The Lamar Nagel. That's a, well, it's, it's, Lamar, it's Na- Lamar Nagel actually played in USL, so this is easier than it should be. Okay, but, I'll do it. Well, well I, I don't do know, you know if I'm able USL to. Players, yeah, I mean. I'm still going to use MLS. Uh, Lamar Nagel played with. Hmm. I think we got him. Uh oh. No lifelines. Lamar, are, no lifelines remaining. Thomas. I'm just going to keep going to the same guys. <laughs> Lamar Nagel played with Clint Dempsey, who played with Tim Howard, who played with. Ricardo Clark, who played with Alex Dixon. All right, hold on. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ratchet up the difficulty here because this is you know. Uh, let me think. Um, I'll, I'll try to use a different Rhino this time. How about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, Seth, any ideas? Go go older. Go you know. All right, Carlos Valderrama. Yeah. Okay. Carlos. And after this, I'm going to leave the league. <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to go to NASL and see if we can do it. Carlos Valderrama. I've, I've got Carlos it. Valderrama played with Roy Lassiter, who played with Ben Olsen, who played with uh, Chris Pontius. You got Air Four. Oh, God. Uh, okay, let me. Let me connect these. Chris Pontius played. I'm trying to go to one rhino in particular, and I don't know if I took the best path. Wasn't there like a? Isn't there a rhino who played for DC United? Uh, yeah, actually, thank you. Uh, Ben, I'm gonna go back one. Ben Olsen played with Kenny Burtz, who played for the Rochester Rhinos. Jesus Christ! I, I don't. I think we can do this. All right, right. Let's, let's go one more. One more, Pablo. Give him. Give him one to I'm, I'm really a, yeah. stump him. Uh. uh let's see. 
Pelé. I don't think I'm gonna pull this one off. Pelé, you could you could go through the national teams. You can you can subway sponsorships, anything. Pelé subway did a, sponsorships. Pelé did a Sierra Mist commercial with Freddie. Oh, God, no, there we no. go. Oh man. And then Ben Olsen to. Uh, well, I'm gonna try to go to a different Rhino. Let's see. So Freddie Adu played with played with Brian Carroll. Who played with John McCarthy? Who played for the Rochester Rhinos? <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> Joe Gaitchins. <laughs> we'll keep going back. Joe Gaitchins was in the movie "The Game of Our Lives," or what is that? What is called with Pelé? with with John Harks? <laughs> oh yeah! God damn it! <laughs> well, it was a fictional Joe Gaitchins, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, fuck this. <laughs> was a fictional Joe Gagin, so oh my God, I'll, I'll concede defeat on that one. All right. Anyways, back to MLS talk. Sorry. I really wanted to do that. So. <laughs> yeah, I do at some point. Uh, where, where were we? Where were we? I don't know. We were in the red, the red card debate. Um, I mean, personally, I think that the league is doing the right thing here. Um, I would rather have more red cards than more broken ankles of star players and you know peter walton mentioned that this initiative stemmed from 2011 um i don't know why it's just being implemented now he he said i happened to be on this conference call okay yeah good. he he yeah. said yeah were you guys not invited uh he said that it's just something they've been slowly implementing, and it took this long, uh, in his words, for the technology to catch up. That they use GPS monitoring of referees and have been what? doing more in-depth. Uh, like dog collars or something? Yeah, or? Exactly. Pretty much. And that it has taken this long, you know, these four or five years for them to... Uh, use the technology to figure out how to communicate to the refs so they can be better positioned and better trained to make these calls. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Take that for what you will. Yeah. The, you know, 2011 was a year when there were several big-name MLS players, mostly creative number 10 types that got badly injured. And I think that it's the right thing for the league to, to try to – cut down on these sorts of things but you know of course the first big chance they get after this call they they, they kind of blew it but i'm sure they're the disco is gonna take care of that this week he actually said during the conference call pierre walton that he wants to put the disco out of business that's his goal <laughs> so they've got well, a little, as long as Nigel de Jong is rubbing the pitch in MLS that's not going to happen <laughs> first first test they're, they're going to be busier than ever ever you know yeah, first test failed yeah if i, like, I imagine the disco the disco office under Nigel de Jong's tenure is just a guy at a typewriter like furiously you typing think, what if they just rename it the Darlington Nagby Memorial Disciplinary <laughs> Committee <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> Maybe is the Zakuani Memorial. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of precedent, there you go. Brian yeah. Mullen, what, he got eight games? I think he got ten. Ten? Fatality. Yeah. The thing he, with Mullins. He was like, he, yeah. it, was, it was on purpose. He had I mean, like he didn't a, mean to break his leg, but he, right. he was pissed he, off. He was caught up in the emotion of not getting a foul call go his way, and he had like a ten-yard charge before snapping Steve Zakawani's leg. So oh, that was and and that was a, a different animal. And Zakawani, based on what we know so far, got hurt a lot worse than Nagby did. He yes. hurt a lot of us with all that those fucking Microsoft ads with the wrapping. I knew that's where we were you know, going. So. Yeah. This those is were on the, works. This is how I play. Those were on the autoplay on goal.com for like a year. They were on, on the MLS site too. Yeah. Every yeah, MLS everywhere. highlight. It was awful. Terrible. Uh, what's going on with New York? The uh, Red Bulls. Yeah, you know the the best the, team in the, the last Conference. place. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Red Bulls and Columbus are the two last place teams in the East right now. I still Bear think mind, we played approximately one point five percent of the season. <laughs> That's not keeping the Philadelphia Union, by the way, from 
declaring themselves Eastern Conference champions. But right, well, yeah. For those who didn't see it, what what, what was their Instagram post? It was it was, uh, it like, was a, a screen grab of the table, and it said, "Go ahead, doubt us." <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, doubt us. I hope everybody has saved that for posterity when, in like two months, they've lost eight games in a row. Off the record, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And then, by the way, and then almost more ridiculously later on in the night, tweeted just like a, an artistic shot of the goal with the net rolled up, you know, all ready to be put away, uh, right from where Barnetta hit the free kick. And the, and the, uh, <laughs> the caption just said, remember where you were. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know. Somebody know, is not used to winning games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just don't know how to act. Uh, but back to New York and Columbus. I think Columbus will be okay. I I think they have a, a good core. They brought back the entire starting 11 from the MLS Cup. They added some good depth players who haven't really made their mark yet, but are coming along. I think they'll be fine. The Red Bulls, that's a concern. They lost Matt Miazga. Paranel's still out for a while. BWP. Uh, yeah, BW, I mean, BWP, I mean, you knew he wasn't going to replicate that 27-goal season again last year. What do you have, like 14 or so? Or so yeah, like yeah. A, a decent haul. And you get the feeling that now he's starting to hit the wall, that opponents have figured them out. And, and the, the PK difficulties are certainly disheartening, yeah. too. I mean, he missed two in one game, didn't take any for a while, then misses his first one since then. Yeah. Can't be good. Uh, and, yeah, just defensively, I mean, Gideon Ba. I mean, he's hurt right now, but he was a little inconsistent before the injury. I don't know if they're going to get a Miazga level out of him. Like, like we said, Paranel's still sideline. Zubar is not is not good. We've, we've addressed this yeah. before, but it's uh, always a good opportunity to... Uh, yeah, Zubar is just a, a liability. He's either going to get beat for a goal or get tossed. I mean, it's... It's it's not a good situation when he's on the field. Uh, and then even a guy like Kamar Lawrence, who had a great season last year, bef- even before his injury, was off to a really rough start this season. It's same really yeah. same with Dax too. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Dax's struggles were quite as overt as Lawrence, but he isn't playing at the level he was last season. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gonzalo Verón injured, just a lot of little problems. They're all piling up for them. Agreed. 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 Um, <laughs> so let, should we uh, should we finish with the lone unbeaten team in MLS? Real Salt Lake. Who would have guessed? Real Salt Lake. I mean, they do have a royal the decree, you know, whatever. Royal Club of Utah. Yeah. Uh, how are they? How are they doing that? I think they're, they've been very well coached. I think Jeff Kassar is kind of coming into his own as a head coach now and what's his third season now? Or yes. thir- third in charge? This would be number – no, no, no. This would be number two. No, you're right. Yeah, because Christ is, had a year off. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. this is three. Uh, so, I mean, they've had injuries. They've had problems, and they've overcome them. They got that result in Kansas City with no Javier Morales, no Hamas Alave, no Kyle Beckerman, no Burrito Martinez. Love that name. God, I just can't love even, that name. Can't even say that with a straight face. Burrito Martinez. <laughs> Juan Manuel Martinez. Yeah, uh, no, no, we'll stick with Burrito. Uh, there's there's a lot of talent there. I think Sonny has been a, uh, a revelation, if you will. Uh, he kind of flew under the radar in terms of off-season signings, but he's a guy who is in the very early discussion for newcomer of the year. Would you say he's been a light? On that team? No, I don't think so. That that would be a weird metaphor. Hmm. Would you say that <laughs> he's turned up the heat for Real Salt Lake? That's nah, pretty cold there. Keep going. Keep um, going. Would you say that he's a large star that provides heat to the entire solar system? Yeah. I mean, that I can see. Okay. Yeah. But also, in Pre- addition to Sonny, I think Yurim uh, of has been a good acquisition for them as well. You're going to throw me another ride. Lionel Messi. 
here. Lionel Messi. Hmm. The Argentina teammates in MLS, why is it like? Let me think of this. I yeah, I, ha, Fabio Spindola hasn't gotten any call-ups <laughs> recently, has he? <laughs> I think you're stumped on this one. No, no. Lionel Messi played in Barcelona with David Villa, who... David Villa played with Patrick Mullins, who played with a ton of guys on the Revolution, who played with Jordan McCrary, who's on the Rhinos right now on loan. Yeah, give, him, give him one more. Wait. play with Sonny Saloy at any point? No, but think Diplomats teammates. I'm not as up on the players who are on the Diplomats as you are. Alright, Johan Cruyff played with Thomas Rongen. Ah, uh, okay. There's a DC United bridge. Okay, to and Thomas Rongen coached. Let me figure out how I, which way I want to go with this. Uh, Thomas Rongen coached Ryan Nelson who played or who coached Toronto FC. That's, you're at four. And then on Toronto FC... I'm one away. I'm trying to think of who would be a long-tenured long Toronto FC player, which is not an easy thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think we got him on this one. I think we got him. Mm. Basically... <laughs> Over what? For you. Time's up. Wow. Time's up. I didn't even realize there was a time limit. Yeah, neither did I. I. Just got tired of it. So. Tyler Rosenlind was on the Rhinos and Toronto FC. He must have played with someone who Ryan Nelson coached. Thomas Floyd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finish him. <laughs> Pablo, we, uh, we have a question from Robert. Uh, we should end the show with this because sure. he's asked twice. Um, I'm going to let you field this. Uh, thoughts on Johan Cruyff? I know you've been doing a lot of uh, research into uh, his time here in D.C. with the dips. Um, thoughts on his passing, you're asking? Uh, yeah, well, thoughts on passing of Washington Diplomats legend, Yon Cruyff, and what did he mean to you uh, growing I, up? I thought he had a lot of range. You could complete the short passes, the long passes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great for the Metro Stars. Um, Cruyff, uh, to me growing up, it's actually funny. I do have a personal connection growing up, and then I lived in Spain in 92 and 93, and I went to games in Madrid constantly, and every time Atletico or Real Madrid would play Barcelona, this was Croix Barcelona, my soccer brain wasn't yet fully developed, but I could tell there was just something fundamentally different about what was happening in front of me, you know, with that team. Um, I idolized him, you know, as a kid, uh, you know, obviously, the past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of dips research, so I've sort of uh, fallen deeper into kind of, uh, you know, learning about his life and his career. So, yeah, I was uh, I was pretty devastated. I actually had been talking to his assistant <clears throat> in the past six months about setting up an interview, and uh, she had told me, well, get a hold of me the, like, third week or fourth week in February, and we'll you know, we'll have a better idea about his health. And I reached out to her and I never heard back. And so when that happened, I kind of figured that something bad was, you know, was imminent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I was deeply saddened by his loss. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting way to, you know. Yeah. Fatality. <laughs> Oh God! I, th I think we gotta we gotta end it now. Yeah, yeah, probably. I feel like you just offended yourself. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. I never shake my head at myself, but I all did. right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>